Welcome to Follow Him, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping individuals and families with their Come Follow Me study. I'm Hank Smith. And I'm John, by the way. We love to learn. We love to laugh. We want to learn and laugh with you. As together, we follow Him. Hello and welcome to another episode of Follow Him. My name is Hank Smith and I'm here with my co-host, the uh, unequaled John, by the way. Welcome, John. It's always fun to hear the new adjective. I want to mention to uh, everybody listening that you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can get show notes, uh, transcripts, uh, any uh, references for quotes um, from our episodes on followhim.co, not followhim.com, but followhim.co. You can rate and review the podcast. And then I, you know, I failed to mention something early on, John, that I wanted to mention. We have some music that that comes in when we start our episodes and 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 then finishes our episodes. And I never mentioned that that is a song uh, composed by Marshall McDonald, one of my uh, good friends out of seminaries and institutes. So Marshall McDonald, look him up. He's just a talented, talented musician. Well, John, I, I'm pretty excited for today. Um, I'm excited for every episode, to be honest, but today I've been looking forward to for a long time. Who's with us today? Who's our expert? Oh, I'm I'm excited too. I remember when I used to go to faculty meetings and the booming amen said after every <laughs> prayer was from Brother Ba. And it, it 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 to me it was it was not just something you say after the prayer. It was a, it was like a testimony when Brother Boss said, "Amen." So uh, I'm going to read his bio here. Um, Alexander L. Baugh is professor and chair of the Department of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University, where he has been full time faculty member since 1995. He received his bachelor's from Utah State University his master's and PhD degrees from Brigham Young University. He specializes in researching and writing about the Missouri period of early church history, 1831 to 1839. He's the author, editor, or co-editor of 10 books, including three volumes of the document series of the Joseph Smith Papers, which are uh, volumes four, five, and six. Uh, he's also the past editor of Mormon Historical Studies and past co-director of research for the BYU Religious Studies Center. He's married to the former Susan Johnson. They are the parents of five children. Uh, Alex and his wife reside in Highland, Utah. And Brother Bob, welcome to our podcast today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I've really uh, look. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, anytime we talk about Missouri, uh, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I like to tell my students, um, gosh, it has an ancient past. It mm. has a um, more current history, if you will, uh, with the the settlement of the settlements of the saints in Missouri in the uh, decade of the 1830s. But it has a glorious future, mm. and uh, that's a pretty special place. Uh, all I've... of the places where the saints lived and dwelt is remarkable, but or is remarkable, but. Missouri's uh, hits right at home. So it's very special. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to share. Oh, we're so happy today. to have you. Now I have a couple of things to say. One, no one should enjoy cemeteries as much as <laughs> Alex Baugh. But I'll tell you this, John. As we walk through a couple of Missouri cemeteries, he could not only point out the saints; he could point out those who lived during the time of the saints and how they felt about the Latter Day Saints. So he'd say, "Oh, mm. yeah, that guy. He was a friend of the church." 
that one over there, no, he was not. He did not like the church. Um, and he's told me stories about his children saying, another cemetery? No. Really, Dad? <laughs> right? So true. So yeah. true. He not only knows the history, but he's felt it. Um, he puts himself in the position of these people. Um, and not only not only the saints, but also their enemies. He'll put himself in those positions and say, you know, this. he's very um, merciful to everyone of, in history because he says, well, think about this. You know, you've got this group of people moving in. You're nervous about what, you know, the, if once they get numbers, what's going to happen? And I, I think, you, John, you said it earlier. You, mm -hmm. you, learn, you learn to, you know, to be more nuanced in your history when, when you learn it from Alex Bob. But I'll tell you one experience and then I'll probably share more later. I'll, I might share two of them, actually. Uh, two that have had great impact on me. One is we were in winter quarters, Alex, you won't remember this, but we were in winter quarters, Nebraska. Uh, we were going through the cemetery there, of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, you told me about Stillman Pond. Um, and he's someone we'll talk probably a little bit later in uh, the, the year here. Uh, but Stillman Pond's a man who lost, I think it was eight family members in winter quarters. And Alex was in tears. You know, and I, he's he's an emotional guy, but he's not in tears all the time. Um, and he said, "I want to be a I want to be a good man. I want to be righteous, but I am no Stillman Pond." But there's a grave of uh, Amanda Barnes Smith there in uh, Logan, and you go it's there actually every year. Richmond. Oh, Richmond. in Richmond, yeah, yeah. Uh, you go ev there every year, don't you? On Memorial Day, uh, we go up to my family in Logan, and my wife's got has family in Hyde Park. Um, we make a quick stop in Smithfield, and then we go to uh, Richmond, where uh, Amanda Barnes-Smith died. And uh, I, I make sure she has a rose on her grave. She's my heroine of the Restoration, and I've, I've kind of put the pressure on any of her posterity. She sacrificed, like Stillman Pond, in ways we just don't understand it. And um, I tell them, if, if you're not like, uh, if you don't embrace what your great-great-grandmother uh, sacrificed so much for, you, you, need a, you need to change. Rethink uh, some things. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. But let's jump into this week's lesson. Uh, this week, we're studying sections 58 and 59. Both received in August of 1831 in Zion, Jackson County, Missouri. Um, so, Alex, we're going to kind of let you go here, but I was hoping that we could back up a bit, remind everyone listening what brought Joseph Smith and his his uh, and some of the members to Missouri, because not all of them go yet, uh, and what led up to these two sections. Well, uh, quite frankly, we've got to go to the Book of Mormon just for a few minutes. In the Savior's Discourse to the Nephites in 3rd Nephi 21, he talks about the future uh, inhabitants of this land, the Gentiles, and so on. And then if you look in verse 22, but if they will repent, speaking of those in the latter days, and hearken unto my words, and um, harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them, they shall come in unto the covenant and be numbered among the remnant of Jacob unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. And look at the next verse. And they shall assist my people, the remnant of Jacob, and as also as many of the house of Israel as shall come, that they may build a city which shall be called the New Jerusalem. 
That's a, that's a future prophecy by the Savior. Of course, we have a lot of prophecies about Zion, uh, but there's the actual mention of a new Jerusalem. And then I think it's really interesting how Moroni's uh, filling in for his dad and and uh, translated the book of Ether for us. And, and uh, in Ether 13, what does he mention? He kind of takes off just for a few moments and says, I've got to talk about the prophecy of this uh, great prophet Ether. And look at what he says. Well, it's 12 verses. But uh, anyway, he says down here in verse 3, talking about, uh, well, verse 2, the choice land above all other lands, the Western Hemisphere, so on and so forth. And then he says that it was the place of the new Jerusalem, which should come down out of heaven and the holy sanctuary of the Lord. Behold, Ether saw the days of Christ, and he spake concerning the new Jerusalem upon this land. If I was Joseph Smith, that just had to resonate. What is this? <laughs> uh, something about this land and something about this uh, new Jerusalem. And um, it, it stuck in his brain, and I'm sure it did Oliver Cowdery's too, who's taking the, the uh, is transcribing this. Uh, let's, let's jump way ahead. And uh, you've talked about this, but in DNC mm -hmm. section 28, uh, the church is now, what, six months old, and uh, the Book of Mo copies of the Book of Mormon are out there, and people are reading it, and Hiram Page comes up with an idea that he can have some of his own revelations, and I think we have a clue as to what those revelations were. Uh, he's read about what we just talked about, in the Book and of he's... He's in the Book of Mormon. There's no question he has, as has others, has others. And so what is he reading? Well, what's about this new Jerusalem? And what does uh, DNC 28.9 say? Um, there's no one who knows where <laughs> the new Jerusalem is, but it shall be revealed hereafter. I think we can say he was proposing some places where that might be, and he's not right. And... Uh, Sure enough, uh, something's something's being generated in the minds of the people about this this glorious new Jerusalem. And then let's just skip ahead a little bit more. Uh, in December of 1830, Joseph is doing his revision of the Bible. Of course, started in June, but in December he gives us Moses chapter seven. And who's it about? It's about Enoch and his city and how they obtained heaven. Well, let's go to Moses 7. And righteousness will I send out of uh, down out of heaven, and truth will send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of mine only begotten, so on and so forth. And then uh, he says down here that he'll gather his elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare in holy city that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. Wow, this is just uh, just coming to Joseph's mind, all these ideas yeah. or thoughts about this holy city. And then, of course, uh, who has he sent there just recently, um, right after the conference in September? He sends Oliver Cowdery, uh, Peter Whitmer, Jr., Ziba, I like to say Ziba, Ziba, or Ziba, <laughs> Peterson, uh, and Parley P. Pratt, they're down there. 
well, why are they going down there? Well, again, they're told that the location in, in Section 28, that the location design was on the borders by the Lamanites. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are coming together. And the saints are, of course, by this time, they're planning to move, which you've talked about uh, probably just a week ago. Uh -huh. uh, the saints are now uh, asked and commanded, actually, to move to Ohio, which they do uh, the following spring, uh, April and May. And then they have this huge conference. Uh, when I say huge, important <laughs> conference. <laughs> not, not many there, but uh, enough to hold a conference. And in section 52, what does Joseph get uh, in the opening verses? Uh, again, by this time, uh, Parley Pratt has come back from Missouri. So Joseph and the other had, Did the other three stay there? Uh, yes, and of course they picked up Frederick G. Williams. Oh, okay, uh, so yeah, there, he's there a convert was, that wanted to go. We haven't heard that story yet. Yeah, so he's uh, he wanted to go with them after his conversion in Ohio. And so there's really five at that point. And Joseph didn't know it at the time when he went down there with them. But but um, <laughs> because they were unsuccessful, they hurry and send Parley Pete Pratt back to Ohio to try to report to Joseph that we, we, we've gotten kicked off the land. We can't preach to the Lamanites. But they just hang tight down there. Why couldn't they teach? They went over across yeah. out of the United States, right? They crossed over the river out of the United States to go teach these Native American tribes. And they're there for what, like a day? Uh, not very long. Uh, at St. Louis, they should have stopped in uh, to William Clark's office. And William Clark was the superintendent of Indian Affairs. Uh, who was Same William Clark, Lewis and Clark, okay? Same guy. Uh, same guy uh, 24 mm -hmm. years later. Uh, and he's supervising that. Now, there's probably evidence he was in Washington, D.C., but he should have, they should have at least checked in with the department offices and gotten permission which they did not get. Uh, maybe they just didn't know it, but they continued on. They arrived in January, terrible time of year. <laughs> but there was an Indian agent out there by the name of Robert Cummins. And uh, they spent uh, some time uh, on the other side of the, uh, the United States Indian Territory border in a little uh, Methodist Episcopalian mission. A, a couple of them uh, go over to try to begin, and they realize they're stepping on toes of some of the other religions who are trying to oh. to teach to the Indians. And uh, but so they went over across the Kansas River to the the Delaware tribe. There was no one proselytizing to them. And then Cummins found out about it, and uh, he said, "Who are these guys? I've never heard of these Mormonites. That's what they were uh, kind of referred to." And uh, basically caught up with them and uh, eventually told them, if you don't leave, uh, you'll be, I'll put you in the brig at Fort Leavenworth right there on the border. So, okay. uh, so they, you don't came, have the, you don't have the right paperwork. Yeah. They didn't have the right? paperwork. Now what's interesting is uh, Parley Pratt writes a letter to try to uh, rectify their mistake. And he stops in, uh, in St. Louis to try to, see if they could get, still get permission, and it, it apparently was unsuccessful, and that's when he headed back all the okay. way to Ohio. So okay, he, they, they just they didn't luck out. But the good thing is, uh, after they were uh, not permitted to go on there, with the, didn't have the proper paperwork, as you mentioned, um, they had converted a family uh, about 9, 10 miles west of Independence, uh, uh, the family of Joshua Lewis, and this is where they will actually headquarter and begin mm -hmm. to preach the gospel in uh, Jackson County. They also went over to Lafayette County. Uh, 
We know Ziba Peterson went over there, and uh, they had some success in in um, baptizing some people in Lafayette County, just to the just to the east uh, there. So uh, that's where they're staying when Joseph now is going to come down. Because why is he coming? Section fifty two, uh, verses uh, two and three. Well, this was uh, the missionaries, the pairs, right? This is that section yes, with all the pairs yeah, of the missionaries. Yeah. So he said, uh, I'll make known unto you. I'm reading section 52, verse 2, uh, saying, I, Lord, will make known unto you that I, what that I will uh, that ye shall do from this time until the next conference, which shall be held in Missouri. I want you to go down and hold a conference in Missouri upon the land which I consecrate unto my people, which are a remnant of Jacob and those who are heirs according to the covenant. Sounds kind of like, again, uh, ether and and right. uh, uh, third Nephi. Uh, Wherefore, verily I say unto you, let my servants Joseph Smith Jr. and Sidney Riggin take their journey as soon as preparations can be made to leave their homes and journey to the land of Missouri. And inasmuch as they are faithful unto me, it shall be made known unto them what they shall do. So Lord kept that. He didn't tell them exactly what they were going to do, but I want you to go. And then, like you said, Hank, uh, he calls 14 pairs of missionaries, 28 missionaries. Uh, to say, okay, uh, we got to have a conference, but we got to have people there to have it. So let's go down and uh, immediately start making preparations. And uh, actually, uh, a small group left on the 14th of June, just what a week later. This was uh, June 6th, by the way. And then Joseph uh, goes with, um, well, let me fill in, but I, I know you've probably talked about this, but. Um, of course, we get in section 53, they said, well, we need Algernon Sidney Gilbert to go down there. And uh, he's going to get to take his wife. <laughs> That's section 53. Uh, 54, uh, we've got the Colesville branch who's got a problem over there in uh, just outside uh, Fairport, Painesville, um, and in with, Thompson. With, They're actually in Thompson, but it's yeah, out in there. In Ohio. About, in Ohio, mm-hmm. there's 13 miles from uh, from Kirtland. And Copley wants his land back. They had settled on that, as you've discussed. So let's send the entire Colesville branch down. And then he says in okay. section uh, 55. By the way, can we mention this? Who is Sidney Gilbert? That's something we didn't get to talk about last time. Isn't he partners oh. with? Yeah, he's a he's Newell a business Whitney. partner with Newell K. Whitney. Uh, he's a he's a finance guy. He can uh, he knows how to do books and. Uh, and he's really good, and he will be the the agent down in um, in Missouri uh, to Edward Partridge. There's our one two tandem, the bishop who oversees kind of the ecclesiastical aspects, but Gilbert who'll do the business. Um, he's the executive secretary. Yeah, he's the yeah, ward yeah. clerk. Yeah. Ward, yeah. There you go. <laughs> he's ward clerk. He's all the all of the above. Finance clerk, executive <laughs> secretary. He's all of them. He, okay. he can do it all. I'm so, glad we mentioned him. So uh, he gets uh, he gets sent down there, and then of course we have the Colesville branch instructed to go down there in fi- section fifty four, and then who who appears on the scene right at the right time? Uh, good old W. W. Phelps, and he's ready now to be baptized. He yeah, tell uh, us about him. He's someone we 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 had we covered so much last time we didn't get to talk about all these individuals. So I'd love okay. to catch up well, a little. Just briefly, uh, he had been introduced to the gospel in the area of Palmyra and Canandaigua. In fact, he was a uh, a printer, a newspaper editor, uh, and uh, he. Uh, it took him a while, but he he finally decided to uh, bag his career, 
and join the saints. And I'll tell you, if there's anybody who is just absolutely brilliant, it was Phelps. This this man, his IQ, uh, sometimes our students and people think these early Latter-day Saints are not very bright. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Phelps, yeah. Phelps is absolutely brilliant. Now, part of the problem is he kind of knows it. And uh, <laughs> so... He, he's not afraid to kind of tell everybody, I'm, you know, when he walks in the room, he knows he's the smartest in the room and probably so does everybody else. But he kind of flaunted it. And you can kind of see that in the revelations. But he's just <laughs> uh, but we needed him. He's a he's a newspaper editor and he's going to go down there. In fact, that's what the Lord tells him in Section 55. Uh, we want you to go down there because we want you to help with the printing operations where we're going to we're planning on. We're here in Ohio. But the idea was. Uh, we need to get uh, things going in Missouri. So, Alex, I'm so glad you mentioned that because there is a, a a myth out there that these early members, the witnesses, you know, of the Book of Mormon, were kind of these back backwards type, and nothing. That's just absolutely. That's just not true. Cindy oh. Gilbert's a financial guy. You got New K. Whitney, a, a very successful businessman. You've got Edward Partridge, a very successful businessman. You've got Sidney Rigdon who is a scriptorian. A preacher. Yeah, I just read something about him uh, recently about how brilliant he was. And he's even told in Section 55 to write books for the children in the schools and everything. And and this is one of the things that I'm glad Hank brought it up because I just think that the people that that decided to follow Joseph Smith was with his three years of formal education, <laughs> they were not gullible people. They These were the Orson Pratt's and the, and the guys like W.W. W. Phelps. They... They were smart, and I, I think they got their testimonies, probably had their hearts softened by reading the Book of Mormon and going, there's no way he could have come up with this on his own. Yeah. Uh, they they truly saw Joseph as the uh, seer revelator, prophet seer revelator, but these guys probably knew more in some ways of, of biblical teachings and uh, than Joseph Smith. Now, not to say he's not tutored because he is, and, and Joseph is right. really right. good. But they know he's the one that to receive the revelation. But and Joseph let him do it all the time. I mean, he lets them always take a center stage. Lets them do the preaching. Um, wow. He he knows they have gifts, and he's he lets them do it. Now he sometimes has to correct them, like you know Orson Hyde in eighteen what forty three, where he's over in Ramus and said, "Well, I'm uh, you 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 talked this morning, but you didn't get quite get it right." But <laughs> but uh, but still, he uh, he's, he says he he wants them to be involved. He yeah, no question about it. it. This is a uh, a church for everyone, and he he knows that they. This is how you build leadership too, is give them responsibility and opportunity uh, there. W. W. Phelps and Joseph are going to have an interesting relationship over the next decade. Um, you know what, thirteen years until Joseph's death, uh, he and he and William are going to go a little back and forth. Yep. From but friends he, but, to enemies, back to friends. to And W.W. Phelps is going to end up writing praise to the man. Yeah. Uh, his poetry is just absolutely uh, superb. So touching. I mean, how firm a foundation. I mean, you can you can go through and, and get all the, the hymns. Uh, mm -hmm. Just a gifted, gifted writer. And of course, okay. uh, uh, he wrote the, it was called Joseph the Prophet, but it's now a praise to the man. He wrote that and that appeared in the August first issue of the uh, Times and Seasons After the Martyrdom. But okay. um, yeah, Phelps is a brilliant, brilliant, wonderful man. And uh, But he, he had his his shortcomings, as yeah. we do, all, all yeah. do there. 
It's important well, that we talk about both sides of that because yeah, here yeah. we have someone here who knows both their strengths yeah. and maybe their weaknesses. So, and so we finally got all these people put together. So if you you count them all up, there's 29 men and one woman, and the one woman is Elizabeth. That's Algernon Sidney Gilbert's wife. Okay. And uh, so these are the the ones that the Lord is specifically saying, let's get down to Missouri. And uh, hold this conference, and I I don't think Joseph knew exactly what was going to happen. He just said, "I'll," you know, what the Lord said in in verse three, let's go, uh, let's go and and or verse four, and once you're there, it'll be made known unto you uh, what you should do. So uh, Joseph leaves on the nineteenth. Uh, there's eight in his uh, in his group. Um, that would consist of Joseph, Sidney, Edward Partridge, and Martin Harris. And then Algernon Sidney Gilbert and his wife Elizabeth, and then W.W. Uh, w. Phelps, and a member that most people haven't heard of uh, is Joseph Coe. Uh, unfortunately, he uh, did not remain uh, faithful to the church in um, in Ohio. But nonetheless, there's eight of the 30 uh, going uh, on the 19th, and it takes them about a month to get there. They, they actually, he stopped in Independence. There's no question he did. But as I mentioned to you, the... Uh, the, the the missionaries the Lamanites may have met them met him in Independence, but they've been camped out or staying with the Joshua Lewis family uh, in Caw Township. It's called today. It's uh, about thirty fifth south thirty fifth in uh, in uh, okay. Kansas City. I don't know if you remember going there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of it's kind of a rough neighborhood today, but uh, that's where uh, the church is kind of going to be headquartered because that's where they're going to gather to. So. Joshua Lewis had 28 acres of land there, and he's, uh, and maybe we can talk about this in a little bit, but he's got, uh, 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 he's squatter's rights. This land has not come up for sale yet, but he's uh, he's kind of squatted to make sure that he has some ownership once the government sells that land uh, to the, uh, may, opens it up to. Um, uh, so it's not like squatter today. It's not illegal. It's, no, no, no. You go. Uh, it's more like homesteading. <laughs> yeah, homesteading, exactly. Now, in um, Caldwell County, we call it preemption rights. You'd actually go and file out what we call a preemption claim. You could get up to 160 acres and you didn't have to pay for it. And then uh, once that land came for uh, sale by the federal government after it was surveyed and everything, then you had first rights to the property. And that, that plays into the temple property, which we'll need to talk about. Okay. So uh, anyway, so... Um, so there he is, and you've 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 already mentioned it in your previous uh, uh, broadcast there, your podcast. But uh, on July twentieth, he's in Independence. There's no question. He's he's probably checking things out and going okay. And uh, what does he hear and receive from the Lord in that marvelous revelation, <clears throat> uh, verse three? This is section fifty-seven, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we could go to verse one. Actually, uh, he tells him, you know, thank you for coming. <laughs> you're doing what you're <laughs> supposed to do, and uh, this is the place I've consecrated. You've read about it. You've it. seen the prophecies. You're here. Uh, verse two. This is the land of promise and the place for the city of Zion. And thus saith Lord your God, if you'll receive wisdom, here is wisdom. Behold, the place which is now called Independence is the center place and a spot for the temple is lying westward upon a lot, which is not far from the courthouse. So the Lord gave him a little bearings there. Hmm. And uh, it doesn't wow. uh, 
doesn't take a you know brain surgeon to figure <laughs> out okay there's a few taverns and uh you know some a few mercantile businesses and so on but right in the center of town is a two-story brick courthouse and today if you've been there and i think you have john and and hank i know i was with you mm -hmm. uh, that's actually the third courthouse on that property but it's on the same lot hmm. that the original courthouse was there and so joseph goes okay there's the courthouse and he says well it's not far um from that spot it's on a spot lying westward and it's about a half mile off the um the old westport road or santa fe trail this is the this independence is the last uh, major and it's not even really a major town um for uh, the uh, individuals who's uh, engaged in the santa fe uh, trade so and that's uh, here that's we are. heading uh, that's heading out of the country the santa fe trade yep. right once, once you uh, once you break over into to Kansas, you're you're in Indian territory, and you have to you know next stop Santa Fe. <laughs> so, <laughs> for those who have been there, isn't there by the courthouse a marker that says this is the beginning of three trails? Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And again, uh, the it, Oregon Trail and uh, and technically the you could say the California Trail and the Mormon Trail and then the Santa Fe Trail. So I wanted to read something really quick, if you don't mind, uh, as we as the Lord kind of declares this spot independence. Um, I've told you about this, Alex, and I was, you know, I'm I'm no historian by any means, but um, I was reading a book uh, written by David McCullough on Harry Truman. Yeah, uh, I, I really like David McCullough. He's not a Latter Day Saint, but I remember President Hinckley saying, oh, he just loves reading David McCullough. So I thought I need to read this, too. It was years and years ago. And wouldn't you know it, the very first chapter is on where Harry Truman grew up, which is Jackson County, Missouri. And, you know, so I'm reading this from a, a purely historical standpoint. And this is what he says as he describes independence. He says, it was the land that the people came for. The high, rolling, fertile, open country of Jackson County with its clear springs and two considerable rivers, the Little Blue and the Blue, Every essential was at hand, limestone quarries, splendid bluegrass, bluegrass pastures, ample timber where the creeks and the rivers ran. They counted hickory, ash, elm, sycamore, willow, poplar, cottonwood, and oak in three or four varieties. Walnut, the most prized and was the most abundant. It was land beautiful to see, rising and falling in broad swells and giving way to long horizons. Prairie grass was high and green, wildflowers. Wild herbs, meadow rose, turtle head, snake root, wolfberry. I don't know what any of these are. Thimbleweed grew in <laughs> fragrant profusion everywhere. Now, one more paragraph. To cut through the, gr the grass with a plow took six to eight yoke of oxen. But beneath the crust, the dark prairie soil could be two to six feet deep. In places along the river bottoms, it was 20 feet deep. Now, listen to this. This is McCullough quoting a guidebook author. He says, Josiah, Josiah Gregg, the guidebook author, having seen all the country from the Missouri to the Rio Grande, declared the rich and beautiful uplands in the vicinity of independence might well be denominated the garden spot of the far west. Yeah. Kind that of is, a, that's very powerful. And, and McCullough says it like nobody else. Right. Uh, yeah. What a writer. He is really true. It, what he said is true. That soil is as dark and rich as you can imagine. And it goes deep, deep, deep. <laughs> Alex, what could have Joseph Smith known about Independence, Missouri, being from Palmyra, <laughs> New York? <laughs> I hear you. Uh, 
what what would make him in his mind choose independent? You know, people say, oh, Joseph Smith, he's he's not a prophet. Why in the world choose Independence, Missouri? Yeah, as well, the center spot. and that's the thing. He, he he never would have had it not been for Revelation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it it just uh, it, it was unknown to him. I, I'm sure he may have never even heard of it, uh, uh, save you know until this time. Uh, not that he wouldn't have been informed in some ways, but um, right. But I, I do have to say, uh, unfortunately, for those who do arrive, some were not as optimistic about. <laughs> right. They, I wish they would have. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, they didn't read McCulla. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it was now. Now, in some areas, there wasn't timber as what much, and this is going to cause a little bit of problem when the saints are up in Caldwell County. They they need some timber for for farm uh, for farm homes and things. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty productive soil. And, and, uh, Edward Partridge is one of those who says, "Really, isn't he yeah, one of yeah. those that?" Yeah, he was not that impressed. Now he's you know <laughs> our more sophisticated uh, uh, hatter from Painesville, and um, you know, and he was a little bit well. the The real problem was he wasn't as impressed as I think Joseph was hopeful for. At the mm-hmm. same time, uh, he felt like he should purchase property that Joseph. Uh, Joseph wanted certain properties purchased, and he was of the opposite opinion, and so that caused that rift. And you can see it in in the Revelation. We can talk about that, um, but he humbled himself pretty quick, and uh, he he is one. And he writes his wife on the fifth. Well, it's a letter that takes three days to write. August fifth, sixth, and seventh, and he acknowledges his error, and mm. he said, uh, "I've I've been reprimanded." Uh, I, I think I have the quote here. Uh, yeah, he says, you know, I stand in an important station. I'm the bishop down here. And as I'm occasionally chastened, I sometimes feel as though I must fall, not to give up the cause, but I fear my station is above what I can perform to the acceptance of my heavenly father. There's a humble man. Uh, he, he's, he, he disagreed with Joseph and did so quite adamantly, but then realized his error. And, and he said, I, 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 I don't even know if I can do this. I'm supposed to be the bishop down here. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. And, Heward, Dr. Heward told us a little bit about that that uh, conflict between he and Joseph and how Ezra Booth got more offended than Edward Partridge, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> about yeah. that fight. So, you know, these are, these are we, we, they have their failings, but boy, when you see them repent and change and immediately yeah. go, you know, Joseph's the prophet, I, I was wrong. That, that takes a big heart. They didn't grow up in the church. They were members for... A few months, you know, yeah. and Brother Bot, when you're there by that courthouse, there's, I think, to the west, uh, I have a picture of the Gilbert Whitney and Company store right there. And I'd always wondered, is that Sidney Gilbert, his ancestors, or is that store just named after him? Uh, yes. And, and the people who own the store are very much aware that that was where the site <laughs> of the second storehouse was for the church. Mm. Now, the first one was a couple blocks to the east. Edward Partridge purchased that property for the storehouse in 1832. So they've been there a couple of months. Gilbert moves his family in there, and then there's a storehouse to the side of it. Um, and then they find this other property that's right across the street. It was a bit more of the business center of town. And uh, so Sidney Gilbert moves the storehouse to that place. And that's the one where in 1833, they're going to ransack it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he asked them, please don't uh, don't destroy anything. I'll close it. You know, he 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 mollifies the, the, the crowd. But the interesting thing is the house that was on the first storehouse lot of the church that the church bought that. 
And that house was moved by the city of Independence to just about a block south. And it's there today. Mm. And uh, it's a, just a log home, log home looking, log looking home. <laughs> and uh, interestingly enough, while they're building the new courthouse in 1932, 33, right in there, our president, Harry Truman, uh, temporarily puts his offices in that house. Oh, wow. Uh, for a short time. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, not a Mormon owned. And I, and when I say Mormon, I think I should say, uh, this is the historical term we can use during this period because that's what we are known as. Uh, okay. I'm not being, uh, I, I adhere to President Nelson's clarion call to refer to the name of the church by its name. But in terms of historical understanding, we have to kind of sometimes mm -hmm. go with the, the name of our, the, what, the name they knew us by. Yeah, that's what we were called in the day. The Mormons yeah. were were coming. They were yeah. they were here. You used the term Mormonites before, like that that others were using. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and they shortened it to Mormons. So mm -hmm. uh, we can go with that. But again, today we need to be very uh, very upfront with who who we are, and that you know. Yeah. And again, our church has gone through three different names. So uh, they're not they're they're actually the Church of Christ, of course, until May of eighteen thirty four. And then we're the Church of the Latter-day Saints until April or July 8th, 1838. And then we have Section 115. So uh, we transition the name even in those first years there. So. Uh, so, so Harry Truman, by the way, I don't think we mentioned this. He becomes, he's, a, he's like a store clerk and then he becomes a judge. And that's why he's using the courthouse. So when they're building a new courthouse, he has to move out for a bit. Boy, you 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 have got an A grade today, uh, Hank. Uh, for good I'm history, I'm a good I'm a good student. There, a there's good there's your there's your 20th century Jackson County historian now. Uh, <laughs> and I got to hear this when Joseph and uh, the other uh, the other man and Sidney Gilbert and his wife when they get there, what are how do they describe the residents of Jackson County, Missouri? <laughs> because this this becomes an important. Uh, I think, who is it later, Alex, that said, if there were ever two groups of people who were not meant to live together, it was these two groups. In The uh, Messenger and Advocate, uh, Joseph later writes that these people were like a century behind the right. times. hundred years. And uh, I have to say, they had some educated, bright people, don't get me wrong. But uh, it, there was, uh, you know, this was kind of a rough breed. And uh, and then of course there's evidence that that, that we have fugitives coming here as well. Uh, They're try escaping, to right? Try to escape, and if uh, you know a federal marshal comes up the river, they can just pop over in Indian territory for a few days, get out of the, <laughs> the country, ah. and uh, once they go back down the river, they're they're back in uh, in town in Independence with their, you know. With, with they're they're rough people, <laughs> well, um, and here comes these Latter Day Saints. They're from the northeast. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah so exactly. Yeah, we they're educated. They can read and write. They wear shoes. I I would like to say we're uh, essentially a little bit of cut above most of them. But again, there were those. I mean, Boggs is no slouch. He's a he's a bright fellow. Uh, there there's good good uh, and and educated people. But there's a lot of. Uh, I don't know. I just hate to label our Heavenly Father's children, but uh, riffraff sometimes. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, but um, we did have a few of our own that were not as educated. I mean, there's poor Porter Rockwell. You know, he didn't know how to write, and he had to sign his okay. name with an X. So uh, we had our share of less educated. But 
it was just, I'd like to always say it's like oil and water. They just didn't, we didn't mix. And, and, uh, and of course there's so many factors involved in their, in their, uh, their opposition to us. It just wasn't going to work out very well. We're going to try. In fact, the Lord says in this revelation, we're going to talk about it, obey the laws of the land and try to do your very best. So, okay. Well, um, I did want to just make the note then. Uh, I think it might have surprised Joseph Smith, again, just referring back to section 57. I think he wanted an understanding of what they were to do. But then all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, the Lord says, and a spot for the temple. Temple. Oh, my goodness. Now, um, we haven't even we haven't even got a real building yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do have Isaac um, uh, Morley's property up there in Kirtland with the schoolhouse, but um, you mentioned temple. <laughs> I think that, that that probably Joseph had no con. Well, he has a little concept. Of course, he's read the Book of Mormon. <laughs> he, right. He's, he's translated. He knows the, the the ancient Nephites, and we had a church, and they had you know, and we had synagogues in Israel, and I mean, but a temple. Wow, uh, this is new to me. We don't and, even have a ward house yet. Right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So. So that's that's got to be eye opening uh, to Joseph. So so that's the twentieth. Now I know we're is kind of building up to that, but um, in the meantime, uh, so he knows something about that. Now we're going to have to try to, uh, if he's going to dedicate it, which I think he understands, this is what he's going to do. He's going it, to, it's coming to him. If we have a spot, then we need to find out where it is, and then hopefully purchase it if we can. But there's no sale going on, so let me come back to that one. Oh, Alex, I was going to mention one thing. I forgot about this. When Joseph Smith says these people are 100 years behind the times, you've got to realize what the times are. I was reading this this um, this week in preparation, and 1831 is the time you see the first horse-drawn bus in New York City. So that's the times. So when these people are 100 years behind the times, as Joseph Smith says, you got to get that kind of right in your head. Of, of He's talking primitive. Yeah. Right. And uh, part of it is just the fact this is such a remote area. Now, yeah. St. Saint, Saint Louis is a good, uh, you know, it, it's a good size city. It's been around a long time, but we're talking 250 miles west of that. And yeah. like I say, you you step over the Missouri border, you're you're in Indian territory. You're in, right. you're you're out in the, the frontier. Yeah. You, front, you are frontier all the way. And Lewis and Clark was just two decades before this. Yep. We took right. a picture of a of a uh, our Jackson County pioneers, and it was fun to see Corporal Lilburn W. Boggs in the as a soldier of the War of eighteen twelve monument there for soldiers. Uh, I didn't know he was uh, on yeah, that one. I, they got a lot of monuments because, of course, they try to <laughs> try to honor everybody who's anybody in you know a yeah. war or, or or history. There's a Lieutenant Boggs. J- Joseph Boggs, Pennsylvania. It says is a Revolutionary soldier. And then you'll find a a Corporal Lilburn W. Boggs. It looks like Kentucky soldiers of the War of 1812. Uh, I I don't know if our our listeners know this, but Boggs is in independence when the four missionaries get there. And doesn't one of them mend his suit or something? Oh, doesn't uh, he have Mary Elizabeth Rollins tend his kids or something? (laughs) Yes, uh, you're you're both right. Um, Eventually, uh, Peter Whitmer Jr. was a tailor. And uh, he um, had a tailor shop, I think we could say, above this, the mercantile store of, uh, of Liburn Boggs. Okay. And Mary Elizabeth Rollins, Leitner, later Leitner, 
uh, does say how, of course, he liked her and said, mm-hmm. you know, I, if you'll you'll stay with me, I'll take care of you and you don't have to be a Mormon and, you know, kind of thing. And she, ah. of course, uh, she was uh, deeply committed to the gospel. But uh, so he has his... Uh, he has his interplay and interactions with a number of Latter-day the Saints. Saints there. Yeah, there's no wow. question. And uh, then he becomes governor later. He's mm-hmm. actually a lieutenant governor in 32. So while the okay. Latter-day so Saints are soon. there. Uh, yes, he's uh, elected, and he's from the West, of course. And the governor elected in 1832 uh, is uh, Daniel Dunklin. And, uh, but Dunklin uh, is a one-term governor, and then in 1836... Boggs, the Boggs. lieutenant governor, uh, runs for the governor. So, so you it was kind of one of those kind of uh, political arrangements where you can kind of uh, get the people right in the right office for you if the, the right people you want if you can get one from the west and also one from the east, uh, meaning mm-hmm. St. Louis and also the western part of the state. So, so what happens uh, August eighteen thirty one? Joseph's there. Well, if I could pick up uh, just on yeah. let you know that uh, on the twenty sixth. Of, of July. July. Here comes the 24 uh, members of the Colesville branch. Now, they uh, took a little easier route, if I could say it that way. They went on steamboats. Uh, they came down the Ohio, uh, up the Mississippi, and then uh, got another boat and then came up and uh, on a steamer and uh, got to the Independence Landing. And then they would have had to take uh, flat boats. And uh, you mentioned the Blue River. Uh, they would have come right up the Blue River on flatboats, and then they were very close to the Joshua Lewis property. And uh, there, they of course had the they they were united now with uh, the prophet and uh, his companions and and the Joshua Lewis family. So now we've got kind of a core group of people, and and some of the other missionaries are starting to get there. As you'll know from uh, next the, the next discussion. Uh, some of them are going to be heavily delayed. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the Section 63 is given because uh, Joseph is on his way home and runs into his brother and Harvey Whitlock and okay. uh, and uh, mm. those that com- those two companionships. They're trying to get there, and Joseph's already had the conference and set it back. So, so these Colesville Saints are a group of Latter Day Saints who converted near Harmony, Pennsylvania, where Joseph and Emma had met and lived for a little while. Then they'd moved to Ohio when the call came. They settled on Lehman Copley's farm, but Copley, being a member of the Shakers or being affiliated with the Shakers, later kicks them off the property, saying, you got to get off. And so Joseph sends them on to independence. So this is a group of people who are going to be together. It's like a little <laughs> ward, right? Yeah. And they're going to yeah. stick together a long time. This this Colesville branch is just absolutely fantastic. There's about 70 members uh, uh, when they leave uh, New York and, of course, relocate in um, in Ohio just temporarily. And, of course, the man who was going to assist them because they were they all wanted to stay together as a group, it's actually Lehman Copley, C-O-P-L-E-Y. Okay. And then Copley had consecrated some 700 acres, and then he pulls out of yeah. consecration. So they, they're, they, they're out in the cold. So that's why they, Joseph wonders, what should I do? And then the Lord gives him uh, section, uh, is it 54? Okay. Uh, and he, and he charges him 60 bucks for improving his property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> uh, same thing happened to me in an apartment we moved into. And three weeks later, 
<laughs> Three weeks later, the guy said, I sold it, so you got to leave. Uh, we fixed it up pretty nice for him, but uh-huh. that's okay. <laughs> Uh, you had your little Colesville Saint moment. Yeah. Well, the no, Lord we, let you have it. I probably didn't know the story at the time. but <laughs> <laughs> So uh, July 26th, here, there, here they are. And um, it's interesting, on that day, Edward Partridge makes the first purchase of lands, mm-hmm. uh, at least in Caw Townships, it's now available. And, and that, was, uh, that purchase was made over in Lexington, which is where the land office was for the federal government. For folks who are trying to visualize what's going on here, we at one time kind of had three branches in like Harmony and in uh, uh, New York and Manchester, Palmyra, and uh, let's see, where would the other one be? In Colesville. Colesville, uh, Fayette, and Palmyra, Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can summarize this in a few sentences. And then there's a mission to Ohio, and they don't really get to the Lamanites there, but they do get Sidney Rigdon and a whole bunch of people up there. And then the Lord says, everybody move to Ohio. And we're not moving everybody to Missouri now. It's just some that are called, right? So there's a long period of early church history where a bunch of saints are in Ohio and a bunch of saints are in Missouri. Is that a fair way to put it before we all go to Nauvoo? Right. And and again, the only reason that Joseph probably would have said, not all of you can go is because they don't have the land for them to be able to to all go there. Now, when the call is come that you would really like to have uh, a push towards Missouri, uh, part of the problem was some were going, and Partridge talks about this in 1832. They came expecting, well, gee whiz, I'm going to live law of consecration, but they didn't bring anything with them. They didn't. They didn't. They came uh, to take. They, did, they didn't have any means. Now that's why he said, don't send them down here unless they can consecrate their some sort of property or ownership so that we can have means to buy land. And <laughs> so they, they kind of got ahead of the game a little bit. And uh, and Partridge writes them back, says, don't even send them unless they've consecrated. And you see in the Revelation, I'm trying to think which one, that they were to send have a certificate and make sure that they had uh, could consecrate. So And some just go without a certificate. Yeah, they just go. They just... Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Titus Billings, he had something, he consecrated it, and what did... Partridge do he just turned around and gave it right back to him. But uh, you you gotta you gotta have people with some means, or we just don't have a, a way to purchase the property. Just, yeah, how's it gonna work? So. Okay, that's helpful. So okay, so now we've got everybody there. The Colesville branch. You, you said July twenty sixth, twenty four of them arrived. Now th- um, there's still more to come, but at least yeah, we have uh, some of some them. numbers that we can, and some of the missionaries are now yeah. arriving. Uh, behind Joseph and you got to um, be thinking, what does this Lewis family think? These first converts in Missouri going, I we didn't know we were going to get a <laughs> we well, were going to get hosting a award activity for yeah. Colesville. Yeah, <laughs> they are so, tremendous people. In fact, again, uh, they they follow through. Uh, his posterity is in the church, but unfortunately, uh, Joshua Lewis dies in Clay County in 1835. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who his wife married, but. Uh, that that is again some of these yeah. lesser known Latter Day Saints. You just yeah. you take your hat off to him. Five days later, he gets Section Fifty Eight because we have a body of saints now. What we're here, tell us what we need to do. Please join us for part two of this podcast.